Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman, and we want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the interfaith exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman, Senior Minister for the Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. This year, we will be on a grand adventure of exploring interfaith, and we're so excited that you have joined us. So buckle up and get ready for our 2021 adventure with today's podcast. Welcome to our March podcast titled Interfaith in America. My name is Rachel Lyman, and I represent Interfaith Explorers. This is the end of the first quarter of our 2021 podcasts in which we reviewed the foundations of interfaith. We began in January learning about interfaith explorers from the birth in 2009 of the organization to current activities. Last month, we had two wonderful conversations with longtime Sacramento interfaith activists, Reverend Michael Moran and John Fish, exploring interfaith in our community. Today, we'll be exploring the role of interfaith in the United States. I'm so blessed to be heading Interfaith Explorers with my all-around senior minister who loves, also loves to do research, Rev. Dave Lyman. Today, I will be asking him about the information he obtained on a research adventure I sent him on to find out about interfaith in the United States. But before we get started, I wanted to deliver a report on a recent Interfaith Explorers group activity. On March 13th, we had a socially distanced event as we descended on the Vendanta Society of Sacramento with a group of 12 intrepid gardeners of different skills and abilities from Spiritual Life Center. Our volunteers spent two hours doing landscape work and general cleanup on the nine-acre Vendanta property in Carmichael. The weather was perfect, and a good time was had by all, even with our sore muscles in the end. We plan to continue group yard work days at Vendanta throughout the year. So if you're interested, please contact us at interfaith at slcworld.org for more information. Now, let's start our grand adventure today with some questions for Rev. Dave. Good afternoon, Dave. You spent lots of hours researching the topic of interfaith across the country. How did you organize this grand journey? Good afternoon, Rachel. It's good to see you. Hey, I started this research project with a great deal of ambition. I thought I'd go ahead and gather some 70 faith interfaith organizations from different places all across the country and I'd review them, and I'd take them and end up with 10 finalists, depending on size and what they did, so you and I could look at them together. From that list, I thought you and I could then pick out three or four organizations we could highlight. Well, how did that go? It went really not very well. What I discovered is that the interfaith organizations in this country are rich in variety, 
They're different in missions and sizes, and they serve many different facets of the communities. I discovered also some interfaith organizations were formed because of community disasters. Some started because of curiosity. And almost all were started by almost like a combustion of ideas, a fire storm coming up, and out of it came the organizations. As a result, I found that my eyes glazed over and my mind got fried with too much information. Yeah, so we we did discuss that. I think both of our eyes glazed over. And you and I decided to talk and present a more personalized approach to the information. We were selective and wanted to give our listeners information only about interfaith groups that were unique, easy to follow, and groups where if you chose to, chose to participate, you could easily join in their virtual events. So Dave, where do we start? Well, Rachel, I want to make sure everyone listening to this podcast knows we're only touching the surface of an immense and amazing subject. If you hear something interesting today in this podcast and want to find out how to get involved, again, email us at interfaith at slcworld.org because there are a lot of interfaith events here in Sacramento and so many more across the United States, some that might be the perfect thing for you to get involved in. Well, again, Dave, that's good information, but again, where do we start? Well, we want to start first with some of the interfaith communities that stretch across the country. I wanted the ones that weren't just in a community, but all across the country. The very first one that caught my eye was called the United Religious Initiative. And I'll refer to them as we talk about it as the URI. In 1995, the United Nations in New York decided to celebrate their 50th year anniversary by going back to where they started in San Francisco. Bishop Swing, the Episcopal Bishop of California at that time, was asked to gather the religions together in an interfaith kind of way to also celebrate. He said yes to do this and spent approximately a year talking to faith tradition leaders from all over the world, asking him one question. Will you send a representative to this gathering in San Francisco? It was amazing to him that the response from the leaders was a resounding no. And he realized that the only way to get an interfaith tradition starting countrywide would be as a grassroots groundswell. So in June of 2000, the URI was birthed with a concept that is so amazing. It is called the Cooperation Circle. The Cooperation Circle is an offering to join in a group of at least seven people from at least three faith traditions to take up a cause or a social issue. Now, 20 years later from their birth, there are almost 1,100 cooperation circles across the United States and internationally in some 100 countries. There's a strong URI presence in California, so don't hesitate to look at their website because you may have an idea to start your very own cooperation circle. Wow. 
grassroots interfaith network, it really does make a difference. Wow. And what's next, Dave? The next organization I looked at is the Interfaith Alliance from the Washington, D.C. area. It, now, I want you to notice that we had a beep in the background, and Rachel and I, because of the number of things we'll talk about, decided every once in a while there'll be a beep. And that's a moment for all of us listening to this podcast to take a breath and slip into mindfulness to be fully present because we are talking about so much information. There we go. Nice breath. Back to the Interfaith Alliance. It was started in 1994 to celebrate religious freedom, championing individual rights, promoting policy, and uniting diverse voices to fight extremism. They're comprised of 75 different faith traditions from across the country, and their website speaks to some of their action. Oh, I think next you're going to talk about one of my favorite topics because of a trip we made in 2015, a trip to the Parliament of World Religions Conference in Salt Lake City. You know, attending that conference, a Parliament of World Religion Conference, had been on my bucket list for a long time. So I was so thrilled that we could go. We had over 35 people, both from Spiritual Life Center and from the West Coast, ranging from California to Washington State. And they also went with, with us, and in that group were seven ministers. Well, we personally knew also several of the presenters at the conference, and we also made an effort to attend their presentations. And my goal is to do a podcast just on the Parliament of World Religions later in the year because it really is an important topic. Right, Rachel. The <coughs> excuse me. The Council of the Parliament of World Religions is close to the Unity Church because we are birthed in its very beginnings. In 1893, <coughs> excuse me again, the World's Fair was held in Chicago. It was decided in the midst of this fair to hold an interfaith parliament, the first one in the history of the world. Myrtle and Charles Fillmore attended that and listened to a Hindu Swami named Vivekanandi, who made a speech in which he started my brothers and sisters and received a seven-minute standing ovation. In 1993, the organization was reborn with another parliament again in Chicago, a hundred years later. Since then, there have been five more Parliament of World Religions in South Africa, in Spain, in Australia, in Salt Lake City, the one we attended, and Toronto, Canada in 2018. Each parliament has attracted between 10,000 and 15,000 participants from faith traditions all across the world, participating in presentations and music in harmony. We then move on to the North American Interfaith Network. Now, this is a coalition of local interfaith groups, interreligious bodies, and media bodies. And I've just started to get into their website. It's a little difficult. It's not all that user-friendly all the time. And I'm still doing research on this group. So once you looked at these larger organizations, Dave, 
How did you choose where you were going to go next to do research? Well, mostly I first took a break because it was a lot of information. And I thought, for those of you listening today, what would you want? I decided to go ahead and look at organizations that had virtual events that we could participate in, or organizations that had events that were things that we might want to emulate in the future, or just organizations that made us feel good. I do want to know that everyone needs to realize there are groups we left out and missed because there are so many of them. If you know of a unique interfaith organization, let me know, because the more we know, the more everything fits together. So here's an example, Rachel, of one I love. In Muskegon, Michigan, one of the spiritual leaders in the community is a woman named Sylvia Kaufman. In 1989, she decided she wanted a Jewish-Christian-Muslim dialogue in the region. So she organized a conference, a conference that occurred every three years consisting of scholars and clergy and citizens and students, and she called it the Jewish-Christian-Muslim Triennial Interfaith Dialogue. It became so famous in that arena and in that area that she and her team birthed the Kaufman Institute. And that started in 2007, the year we were married, as a matter of fact. And ever since then, they've had a yearly interfaith conference. Now, I wanted to highlight this group because each year they pick a theme. And the theme this year is the year of interfaith healing. They have four sub-themes, and the four sub-themes are healing our bodies, healing our earth, healing our political divisions, and healing our racial disparity. Take a look at their website, because there are events on the website, and it's just very interesting, all the information they have. Well, that's pretty amazing, because every topic that they're going to look at are topics that are so crucial to what's going on in the world today. So that is really synchronicity. So Dave, are there different ways that interfaith groups join together? Another great question, Rachel. You know, these questions sound almost as if you and I sat down and put them up together. An example of an interfaith group that came together for a purpose is the Power and Light interfaith groups. They come from different locations, so it may be uh, the interfaith power and light of Keokuk, Iowa. The original power and light started in 1988 with the Episcopal churches in the San Francisco area in conjunction with the Grace Cathedral. In 2000, this was brought into all faith traditions, and the entire organization focuses on a mandate to address and take action about global warming. They have a number of very active programs to educate and spread their mandate. So, Dave, you've talked a lot about uh, <coughs> international organizations, organizations that are in the country um, and uh, throughout the country. What about California and our local Bay Area? Well, let's start with a group called the San Francisco Interfaith Council. In 1988, the weatherman said that December was going to be one of the wettest and coldest winters in a long time in California. 
San Francisco Mayor Art Agnos contacted the clergy and lay leaders in San Francisco. He asked them to provide additional shelters and meals for the homeless. They did that in a very, very big fashion. And it went on into the 1989 year. And toward the middle of the year, it looked like it was going to disband. But of course, then the Loma Prieta earthquake occurred. It was pretty destructive. And the organization decided to become a formal 501c nonprofit. When the Presidio was deactivated as a military post at the base of the Golden Gate Bridge, they opened an office. The reason I have them here is because they have a lot of virtual events. This last summer, they had a set of virtual interfaith concerts on Sunday afternoons. Check their website out because they do a lot of things in the area. Also, the Interfaith Initiative Santa Barbara County. That's another example because in 1998, the faith traditions formed a group to engage in affordable housing. You know, Santa Barbara is not the cheapest place to live. And since then, they've taken a focused, hands-on approach to working on habitat, energy, and sheltering issues. And finally, in Southern California, is the South Coast Interfaith Council, or the SCIES, which was formed in 1953. That's before my sister was born. It was established originally as an ecumenical council because the word interfaith wasn't even around. And so it had the various churches of the Christian faith. In 2004, that charter was changed to the Interfaith Council. And it serves 35 to 40 cities in Southern California, with some 150 faith communities and some 1,700 members. Their mission is to create communities of compassion among different faith traditions through education and celebration. I love the education part. It sounds a lot like the mission statement of the Interfaith Explorers. Wow. I think at this point, we're, we're all a little bit overwhelmed by everything you've said. So let's close out with perhaps, maybe, uh, why don't you tell us about a couple of your favorite organizations you found? Well, you knew I was going to find a couple of favorites. One of them is the Arizona Interfaith Movement. Um, it serves the Phoenix area and has been around since 1995. And the reason I mention them is they inspired a golden rule movement in Arizona. You know, do unto others as you would do to yourself. And it went far enough that there is a Golden Rule license plate you can order. This organization also has produced a couple of wonderful books called The Voices of Faith and The Interfaith Inspiration, where are books of inspiration and readings. And they have a real active speakers bureau. It, again, is a wonderful website to get on and kind of explore and work your way through. And the last one is an example of a huge organization. It's the Interfaith Conference of Greater Milwaukee. It's just celebrating its 50th year. When back in 1970, a dozen faith tradition leaders got together to share learning, take some collective action steps, and commit to social justice. They have a huge number of programs. 
including sheltering, including women's programs. They have a program called Beyond Racism. They build affordable housing. They have a hunger task force where some hundred congregations get together every year to raise funds for collecting food. And they've birthed the amazing faith dinners, which is a dinner where hosts come together with participants and have dinners with different faith traditions. They then share their experience afterwards of what that felt like. It is amazing. Wow. It is amazing. And I'm so honored to, to hear about some of these. Your I eyes mean, are a little glazed over, aren't they, Rachel? They are. And my voice is too, I guess. So we've come to a point where we have to step away from gathering information. So uh, with all this research you've done and all the uh, organizations you've found, uh, found, tell me, what have you learned from all of this about interfaith? <laughs> learned a lot about lots of things. Um, the one really big thing is that interfaith is not off by itself anymore. We are not alone on an island surrounded by people who don't believe in interfaith. Interfaith is everywhere and anywhere. It has burst forth, but it has burst forth in places 70 years ago, where we might think there would never be an interfaith. There are places I didn't mention, like North Carolina and Utah, who have strong, strong interfaith groups. There are places where, there was a place in Iowa, I believe, where a tornado took out the main street of the city, and they birthed an interfaith organization that has become very, very strong in taking care of people who have difficult times. You know, we have the opportunity to live the seeds that are planted by taking action, by learning about interfaith. The Interfaith Council of Greater Sacramento is very active in this region. There are things we can do. You can do virtual programs with that place that I mentioned, the Kaufman Institute. It was well my words, you know, and thoughts were well put together by a, a group in Elon University, and I might be pronouncing that wrong, in North Carolina. This university, the students, put on a three-day conference, and they called it a Ripple Conference. And the conference title was Interfaith in the Real World, Cultivating Community Cooperation. Their panels explored interfaith work, and in the end said, interfaith is not something to leave outside our home. It is a part of our daily lives. And as we do that, that daily life, and we've heard that be, take a breath again of mindfulness. Celebrate within the truth that we are all interfaith. Our Hindu brother, our Muslim friend, our Episcopalian, our rabbi. This is the unity principle that states understanding all of this is not enough. We need to take action. We need to take a step. And the attendees of that conference, the Ripple Conference, were left with the following question. Where will your ripples go? 
And that's the question I leave with all of you. When you take a step, when you learn about interfaith, when you attend another faith tradition, where does your ripple go? Remember, any questions or information, interfaith at slcworld.org. We don't have all the answers, and we don't aspire to have all the answers, but we certainly can point you in directions. Wow, thank you so much, Dave, for all your beautiful research. It's amazing to know that what you've presented today barely touches the surface of interfaith organizations in the country and in the world as well. So thank you for that. We have a lot to digest, but people can also re-listen to the podcast if they've missed a name of something. Or if you have a question about a particular organization that Dave mentioned, like Dave said, send your question to interfaith at slcworld.org. So thank you. So in April, the next podcast, we're going to be interviewing two couples who practice more than one faith tradition in their daily lives. We thought that would be interesting to explore. And we're going to ask them how that came about and what would it be like? What is it like to practice more than one faith tradition in, a daily, in your daily life? And could you do it yourself when you're listening to their stories? So these couples will share how they do it and how they did it. So it should be fun. So stay tuned and please listen in for our next Interfaith Explore, Exploration Journey. Thank you and namaste. And thank you, Rachel, for interviewing me. And um, thank you for being my wife. As we oh. close today's broadcast, I want to make sure that everyone knows that this organization that Rachel started is an organization of exploration. It is that truth that all of us are one. That when we look at the person across from us, they are our brother and our sister. And the more we know about who they are, the more we know about who we are. Because there is a divine that transcends everything. And you are a part of that divine. We want to again emphasize in closing that this is an interactive organization. As we move forward and you sit and listen to the podcasts, and you sit quietly with your cat in your lap and think, well, I think they should think about doing a podcast about this. Don't just think about it. Send us an email. Because we are you. And if enough of you want us to explore something, we certainly will. I'll spend the rest of the year recovering from it, trying to explore interfaith groups across the United States. So I thank you so much. We thank you so much. And we say namaste, as Rachel said. God bless. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our next podcast will be available the last Friday of the month. But we want to hear from you. So send us your comments, questions, and suggestions to interfaith 
at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith art. So let us all remember as we go on our different paths that Gandhi said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty.